Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 278 of Yogaland. Today, my guest is Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. You may know Chelsea from one of many places. She's currently a Peloton yoga teacher, but she's been teaching for more than a decade. So you may know her from the cover of Yoga Journal. You may know her from her course that she taught for Yoga Journal called Yoga for Inclusivity. You may know her as a Lululemon Global Ambassador. You may know her as the co-founder of Red Clay Yoga, which is a nonprofit that focuses primarily on bringing yoga to marginalized communities and their allies. Through Red Clay Yoga, she is also the founder of a camp, a yoga art and literacy camp for teenage girls. And so she just has an amazing list of accomplishments. And I'm so excited to share her with you. And I'm so excited that she wanted to be on Yogaland. She is also almost nine months pregnant. So uh, I feel really, really fortunate that I got to talk to her just on the cusp of becoming a mom. And we just talked about all manner of things. I really wanted to understand how she has accomplished so much in her young life. And I think all of you yoga teachers out there will be comforted by her very candid response. She's just very open. She shares her why with us. Uh, I also wanted to understand what it feels like to kind of get your dream job of working for such a big organization like Peloton as a yoga teacher and what it's like to have such a big platform and and how she feels like she's utilizing that platform. I found her to be so warm and interesting, and I'm just really excited to share her with you. So enjoy the interview with Chelsea. So thanks so much for being here, Chelsea. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm excited as well. Thanks for having me, Andrea. I have been following you for years and you have such, you have accomplished so much in a short time. But one of the things that I, that first kind of interested in me in you is a camp that you developed years mm-hmm. ago for young girls. And yes. it's a, it was a literacy and writing camp. Yeah. Uh, and I know you have your doctorate. Is it literature that you studied your advanced degree? Yeah, so I have a PhD in educational studies, and my focus is language, literacy, and culture. And so, yeah, it was a five-year program at Emory University, and I kind of co-created it with a handful of advisors and committee chairs who were in sociology, education, anthropology. Like, And it was um, created out of that, the camp, Yoga Literature and Art Camp for Teen Girls. That's really neat. How did you come up with the idea? Like, what was the inspiration behind it? Absolutely. So it was really a call for something that I wish I would have had when I was a teen. Mm. It is a space that centers the experiences of young people who self-identify as women of color. We serve ages 13 through 17, and it's a tuition-free camp. And as soon as I learned how to write, I started writing my own stories because 
being a child of the 80s and early 90s, it was just like, I would love to read the books, the Ramona Quimby's, the so many different characters that I loved. However, I never found those characters that, you know, reflected my experience growing Mm -hmm. up in Dayton, Ohio, as a young African-American girl and some of the experiences I would have. And so I would start to write my own stories. And this was really this opportunity for young girls to have the opportunity to be the authors of their own story. And so, you know, integrating both the literature part, but also we did literature through poetry, through writing, and then also the embodied experience of yoga, which later down in my life, when I was in my early adulthood and started my yoga practice, it was kind of the same thing of just wanting a space that would center what I was bringing to the yoga mat. So that was the inspiration. Mm, that's so neat. Is the camp still going on? Yes, it is. So we definitely had to modify things during the pandemic. We went to an online version, although my husband Shane and I, who co-founded Red Clay Yoga, which is our organization that actually is the umbrella for yoga literature and art camp, we moved from Atlanta, where it's the origin of YLA camp. And so we moved from Atlanta to New York so that I could pursue this new job of being a Peloton instructor, but we created, co-created this community of educators, community leaders, yoga teachers who continue the program even in our physical absence. And so it's just been amazing to see the way that we have even gone further than the Atlanta community because we can now have this digital component. And we're looking at coming back together in the physical spaces again very soon, but we just moved to digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Like, it's really admirable that you created something that could be carried on by others too. I mean, I think that's such a hard thing when you're creating anything and especially kind of letting that baby go. But but that that's important as well to keep that work going. I don't write much anymore, but, you know, I considered myself a writer when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And the idea of combining that kind of creation with embodied practice, I mm-hmm. feel like is so potent. And I just always have felt like so many of my best ideas have come to me when I'm in my body more than when I'm yeah. sitting, trying to be in my mind, you know? Right. So right. that's such a neat thing and such a gift that that you gave them. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of skipped around here, but I, I often like to start by asking people kind of their yoga origin story. And and by that, I mean, you know, when did yoga really click for you? So, you know, it doesn't have to be like your first class or anything, but when did it become a meaningful practice to you that you knew you wanted to really have in your life? Yeah, well, when I was in college, I graduated from Spelman College, which is a historically Black college for women in Atlanta, Georgia. And what I knew was that yoga was this thing that I, I had not seen a lot of people who I knew practice. However, I started to get curious and started to look through books and look through magazines. And I remember picking up the first book. It was a Rodney Yee book. Mm-hmm. And I just started thumbing through the pages. And I just saw these beautiful, th- these images of what he was doing with his body. And I was just <laughs> like, wow, this is really cool. But what captured me was the look on his face when he was in these quite outstanding postures. And it was just like this look of like ease 
ease that came over him. Now, I had not met him until later on in my life, so I really didn't know what was going on, but I knew (laughs) that I wanted to understand how can somebody be doing all of these wonderful things, uh, very dynamic things with their bodies, but still have this look of ease. And to me, it was like the, the, it embodied what life was like. It was just like, how do we experience life in these ways that sometimes we're being pulled in several different directions, yet there's this groundedness, there is this anchored way that I saw people who I found out practice yoga they captured that in their essence. And so I wanted to practice. I wanted to walk into my first yoga class and see how that felt. And so I actually started right after I graduated from college. And it was when I um, was a first year school teacher as well. And so when I would come home from, shout out to all the teachers out there. I was a public school teacher, third grade, and I felt overwhelmed, not just by, you know, the demands of being a school teacher, but by the demands placed on me by administrators, by, you know, all of the things that go into being a public school educator. And so I started going to yoga classes um, in the evening and on the weekends And I started to feel this, what I saw in Rodney Yee's face that day. Mm. It was just like, wow, I'm like, maybe what didn't look like the asana, but it looked like me teaching a child how to read or me having a parent-teacher conference, me (laughs) managing and navigating my own life and small and large traumas, like all of Mm -hmm. those things were happening. And yet I found this um, not necessarily peace because it wasn't always peaceful. It was quite challenging at times to show up to my yoga practice, but it was this just realness that I had never experienced for through any other um, embodied practice. I had Mm -hmm. danced, I ran track, I was a cheerleader, like I was in marching band, but it was just like yoga was this thing where I was actually being centered and also being surrounded in community by people who were having their own experience. And so, yeah, it was really during that time of being a first year school teacher. And that's what led me to getting curious about what would happen if I started to introduce some of the things that I was learning in the yoga space. And I started to integrate into the classroom. And so that's where really where I started to you know, pursue that that thought of what if I went deeper and started to do research with mm-hmm. yoga and and how it impacts how we learn and process mm-hmm. information. I love, I always love asking this question because I feel like we can all recognize each other and each other's stories. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, I mean, there is something that draws you to yoga because it just allows you to be with yourself in a way that most other I mean, I won't say all because I don't want to <laughs> leave anything out that I'm not thinking of, but you know, that most other physical practices just don't have, you know, it's just like, it's that being able to show up for yourself, however you are, and then kind of layering on that, having a teacher who assures you that whatever you're doing today is okay, Yeah, how you're moving is okay. <laughs> like, so that yeah. you can then bring that into into all the like really tricky parts of your life. Yes, absolutely. I know I was reading some of your writing and I noticed you mentioned Tracy Stanley as a teacher or an influence mm-hmm. of yours. I've had her mm-hmm. on the show and she has such like a really, really potent presence and such oh, yeah. a lovely way about her. Yeah. How did you meet? Are you still in touch with Tracy or how oh, did she influence yes. you? 
Yeah. Yes, Tracy is a beloved friend of mine to this day. Um, I love to call her both my teacher and my friend. I met Tracy because she actually attended one of my yoga classes before I ever attended one of hers. I was teaching at a studio in South Central Los Angeles. It was this annual New Year's Eve, um, well, New Year's Day yoga class that we would do in the community donation only. And Tracy was in the area and she came in and I was just like, who is this person? Like, that's the energy I'm talking about when someone uh-huh. walks into yeah. a room and you're just like, what are they doing? Whatever it is, <laughs> totally. I want to learn about it. Totally. And so I just Like she remember. has figured something out. She <laughs> exactly. has figured something out. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember like, um, I'm getting chills even thinking about the first time that I saw her and just felt her presence. And so I just remember us talking a little bit and I, you know, interviewed her with my uh, blog, Chelsea Loves Yoga, our yogi in the community, where I elevate the stories of yoga practitioners and teachers who are otherwise not really elevated with Mm -hmm. our voices. And the rest is history. I knew that she did this type of yoga practice called yoga nidra. And I was just like, what is that? Because if that's what makes you look the way that you do. I know. And and, you know, not even even in the physical form, look the way she's beautiful. But it's just this essence within her that I'm just like, is that what it is? Okay, Mm -hmm. sign me up. And so I did... Shane and I, my husband and I did her um, yoga nidra training. She actually came to Atlanta, Georgia. We did her training. I became certified in yoga nidra to this Mm. day. I am a practitioner of yoga nidra. It has impacted my life in ways that I never knew yoga could open up in that way. I always knew I could have this restorative practice in yoga because I practiced restorative. But Yoga Nidra was just completely different. And mm-hmm. Tracy has certainly been the the teacher, capital T, in my life who has showed me the path of Yoga Nidra. You're reminding me, you know, we moved to Southern California, our family, like about a year and a half ago. And I I don't know how close I am to her, like mm-hmm. location-wise, but you're reminding mm-hmm. me, like, I need to find her. <laughs> I need to go find yes. her. Because yeah, she is so radiant. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, and of course, that's the name of her her book, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just true. She just, you can feel it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's palpable. And I actually feel the same way about you, even though I haven't met you. Like you Mm -hmm. are, you just light up everywhere (laughs) you are and you have like such an incredible array of achievements in your life, Chelsea. Like I mean, if I just kind of run down your 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 list, and I know that that's just a surface list, but like you're making all of us look bad. Like you're a PhD, you're a Lululemon Global Ambassador, you were an off the mat into the world faculty member, you were the co-founder of Red Clay Yoga with your husband, you have your camp, you've been on the cover of Yoga Journal twice. I could go on and on, and now you're a Peloton instructor. So I'm so curious. I have so many yoga teachers who listen and I'm sure look up to you. And I'd love to just know, because I think it's always really important to come back to your why. And that's what I always Mm -hmm. tell people. Like, that's the most important thing is to just come back to your why. And that's how you're going to feel accomplished no matter what you accomplish on paper. So what is your why? And what kind of early on in in your decision to become a yoga teacher, what helped you stay focused and accomplish all of these things? 
Yeah, well, I definitely, you know, my yoga practice has been a part of what you just ran down. I've always, since a little girl, been quite, I would say, an overachiever in these ways. And I would also, I'd also like to mention, like, for those folks who are listening, which I think that from my observation, from my experience, the practice of yoga also draws folks who have that type of um, energy, that type of work ethic mm. to the mat a lot of times because of the ways that we are so committed to, you know, the posture or to the breath or to understanding the philosophy of yoga. And Yoga has actually supported me in kind of calming that part of me down. Mm-hmm. Like I almost mm-hmm. feel like all of these accomplishments mm-hmm. <laughs> happened like before I started to listen, practice yoga ninja, where I'm like, Chelsea, you've done enough. Now <laughs> it's time to rest. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just, you know, want to say that to to folks who are listening who are just like, have I done enough or do I need to do more? And one of the biggest lessons in the why that I constantly return to is that I I am enough and that everything that I've done up until this point has supported where I am right now today. Like I had a tremendous amount of insecurity about attaining a PhD. And then some people will ask, so you got a PhD and you're just a yoga teacher? Like, and I have to explain, you know, how and what it is that I do with that. And that's a part of the process as well. But my why is to always remind myself that, you know, the fullness of who I am, the fullness of my experiences are exactly why I am where I am today and to honor every single part of it, to honor the parts where I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning to get to school, to drive across town, to pick up the things at the 24-hour grocery store for my students that, Mm. you know, we didn't have in the classroom in a Title I school. Like, it was that journey of being a young girl in Dayton, Ohio, from a working middle-class family. And so... I always, my why is that the fullness of my experiences are exactly my biggest accomplishment and to never diminish or to put a shadow on any of the things that I've done up until this point. And yeah, it's been hard work. It has. There have been moments where I've questioned, you know, am I going in the right direction? Should I be applying for these tenure track positions after I receive my PhD? And it's just like, I have to trust that you know, I'm going to always be an educator. I'm going to always, that's going to always be the thread because I'm still doing that in a very different way today, but I'm still an educator. And honestly, it's about cultivating community for me. And if yoga is my, my tool to do that and to bring folks together and to especially contribute to understanding in a world that has so many misunderstandings and so many imbalances socially that I love that yoga can support us in being more connected with each other. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I so appreciate that honest answer because I think, (laughs) you know, it's true. Like, it's like sometimes we have to, sometimes we lean on our practice to, to help us remember that, that relaxation is a skill, that Mm -hmm. it's okay to just, to let some things go sometimes. I mean, it's it's just, it's, you know, life is such a balance. And Mm -hmm. of course, it's great to be 
motivated and to accomplish all of these things. But at the end of the day, you also want to feel, you want to feel like your own innate wholeness and, you know, and you, and you want to like look around at the people who are really close to you on a day-to-day basis and be like, yeah, I'm with you. I spend time with you. It's not just like all this external X, all this external stuff. You know, one of the things that you mentioned early on was, um, in with the camp and, and growing up and having, you know, reading Ramona Quimby and like not necessarily seeing characters that reflected your experience. I, I wonder if you felt that also when you started in the yoga space or if you still feel like that. Um, oh, and if that has been a motivator as well. Yeah. I always want to remind folks, you know, just like yoga, the definition is oneness is to unite, to yoke, to see the connection through the breath of body, our actions in the world that even in yoga communities and spaces that it doesn't, it's not this disconnect from what we see in the wider global world and mm-hmm. country and your city and your community where life is <laughs> this, this host of experiences with both balance and imbalance with equity, with inequities, with, you know, what I learned through the yoga sutras of, you know, of the nonviolence, of the integrity, of the not taking more than what you need. And so I think that that also shows up in in yoga communities, especially the ways in which yoga is portrayed or marketed in the world. Like you can't remove that we live, you know, speaking about where we live um, in a Western world, that is really driven by capitalism. And then you think about how yoga is a part of that. So it doesn't remove that experience just because you step into a yoga space. Mm -hmm, Sometimes mm -hmm. it actually even um, exasperates or it makes it even more alarming because it's just like, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to experience peace here, but why am I feeling this way? Why am I experiencing the microaggressions? I remember um, when I started out, And, you know, online um, digital commentary around yoga was just getting started. And I got in this full debate with online really impactful yoga editorial person or whomever that was. It was a while ago, like 2011, and it was around race. And it was one of the most devastating, hurtful, but eye-opening experiences that actually led me to look at the ways that we can use yoga as a tool to understand each other more. And I'm deeply grounded in the reality. That was one of the sutras that attracted me to be grounded in truth or satya or being able to say, you know, the truth of the matter is this is our history. This is the historical fabric of this country that we live in. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't it still show up if it hasn't been remedied in other ways? Why wouldn't it show up in our yoga spaces? And so, yeah, I think about, you know, you mentioned I was on the cover of Yoga Journal twice. I remember the first time that I saw Faith Hunter on the cover of Yoga Yoga Journal. And, you know, I'm calling my girlfriends like, did you see? Did you see? We're on there. (laughs) And it was just like if those moments. Yes. I actually, I think I hired Faith for that shoot. Okay. Yeah. See, look at that full circle. <laughs> yeah, she's an old friend. And it's of mine. just yeah. like, yeah, and we need that. And we need to see those reflections because if that excitement came out to where the black women, girls are calling each other with this excitement, it's showing that that's an anomaly at this point. Yeah. And that yeah. 
we need to really think about, okay, so what message are we sending when we show a specific body type, a specific race, a specific gender, identity, whatever, as the teacher or practitioner of yoga. And so, yeah, that has always been at the forefront of my work because, again, it's about the experience that I have gone through first that informs how I understand and process the experiences of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much there. I mean, sorry, my my brain got stuck when you brought up a yoga journal cover because like I used to I, I used to coach a lot of, I used to coach the models and I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, a big part of those covers. And I will say that I look back on that time and like feel a certain amount of shame because I feel like we didn't represent everybody well. And I will tell you, like, I always say to my daughter, <laughs> she's just mm-hmm. turned 10. I always say they're really, you know, pretty yucky or tricky parts of the internet, right? Right mm-hmm. now, a lot of people just get on there to just air their grievances and they don't do the important work in the world. But there are some great parts about the internet too. And I think one of the best parts of the internet's impact on media, on like large media, mm-hmm. is is kind of showing and 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 bringing to light the fact that the representation just wasn't there. Like the mm-hmm. discussions over those covers, I can't even tell you like how many layers of people and how little control mm-hmm. the actual editorial staff had at the end of the day and how hard that, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is like, I'm not trying to make this about me. What I'm trying to say is I think it's so much better now because mm-hmm. those layers have had to listen mm-hmm. and have had to listen to people say like, this is not okay. And you're not right. actually representing us. And right. everybody is skinny and 25 and mm-hmm. not everybody is white and not everybody right. is a woman. Like mm-hmm. we, <laughs> we are exactly. just getting men on the cover. And so I just think that that, I don't know why I got kind of stuck on that. Cause that was part of my, my life, but. Well, that's I, the part that I'm talking about that we have to be grounded in the truth and reality. I mentioned capitalism and not to go too deeply into that, but it's just like, okay, you're trying to sell ads. What's the demographic? Right, right. Who are the people who are going to, you know, purchase the magazine and then buy the things that are in the magazine? I get that. Like, that's the part that I'm saying that that is yoga. That That is the connection between it all. And if we integrate not just that being grounded in the truth, but then think about, you know, taking more than what you need or, you know, all of the different, the, the, uh, tenants that guide us ethically and morally that Pantanjali speaks about, like, that's where the awakening happens. And that's when voices begin to say, okay, I want to shift this as well. And Mm so great that you, you know, were a part of that, um, that shift when faith was on the cover. And then, you know, I was on the cover and there were several other people who um, showed up with different body types and all of that. And so I think that there's a lot of work to do because Mm -hmm. there were, this has been going on for centuries, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot for us to um, start to look at and, and unravel if we're going to truly see change for your children, my children, Mm -hmm. grandchildren, and so on. It's hard not to get stuck in kind of guilt about things, even Mm -hmm. as a parent. And so, but when you get stuck in guilt, you're just kind of making it about yourself. And so Mm -hmm. you have to say to yourself, like, I did the best that I could at -hmm. that time. And I have to listen to other people now so that I can learn. 
And so like, I am grateful that there are people being leaders out there and, and it's our job as yogis, especially us white women to listen, you know, and learn and just, Mm -hmm. and, and just, just take it in. And I do wonder, you know, because I do feel like right now in this country, it's, you know, we're in a really, really challenging time and there's obviously rampant racism, there's anti-Semitism, there's, you know, there's, there's battles for women, there's battles for trans, trans rights. And I wonder what you think about like what we as leaders can keep doing within the yoga community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, not using yoga as this way of avoiding or ignoring what's going on again, mm one of the things that you even acknowledged was just like the shame that may come over you that, you know, there are moments and opportunities even in yoga spaces where we can see, oh, I'm playing a role in that way. Who am I hiring in my yoga studios? Who Mm. does feel welcomed in this space? I wonder why that is. Am I meeting people where they are? Is this creating some type of hierarchy that you have to have a certain amount of literacy to even step foot into this space? Mm. And so I think looking at the way that we participate in that separation is one of the most powerful things that we can do. And it's scary. And I mean, it was scary and challenging the first, second 100th time I stepped onto a yoga mat and started Mm. to feel the things that were deeply buried inside of me that I wasn't ready to face just yet. That's why I was crying in at the end in Shavasana and not wondering where this was coming from. It was because I had finally taken the time to peel away the layers or even the distractions that took me away from really being honest with the the trauma that lived in my body, with the possibility of me causing trauma on other people, like whatever it may have been, like we're not removed from it. And I think about my, again, another teacher and friend, Sean Korn, who talks about a lot about how we have to acknowledge those parts of us within us, because anytime that we see these things that we disagree with in other people, it causes separation. And it also makes us feel like, oh, that can't possibly, we can't possibly do something like that ourselves. It's on them. And so Mm -hmm. I think that the Mm -hmm. sooner that we acknowledge those aspects within ourselves, the all, the both and the Mm -hmm. fullness of this human experience, that that's when we will find ourselves way more connected and contributing to the connection across and using yoga communities as a way to push back on that separation. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Thanks. That's really helpful. That's really helpful. So you, uh, I'm just sort of like segueing here, but you work for Peloton now and Uh I'm just, it's so, it's gotta be so exciting to work for a huge global brand. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering kind of how you are navigating that and, and how that's going. And I know you're also about to have a baby in a a month. So you've got (laughs) a lot going on. Yeah. I'm just wondering how all that's going. Sure. Well, it's so interesting because music is so centered at Peloton. And of course, yes, we have a huge net that we can cast wide that I've never had access to before. And to be able to go onto a yoga platform, yoga and meditation platform, and be able to 
play some of my favorite songs, <laughs> like whether it's R&B or trap music or rock or whatever the it may be, the genre may be, it's like it's accepted. It's like, oh, that's awesome. I remember, yeah, I remember those moments where I would go back and forth between like, am I maintaining the the sanctity the sacred pieces of yoga and I am mm-hmm. but what I feel like I'm doing or what I know I'm doing is making it palpable I'm making it accessible I'm making it so that my friends in Dayton Ohio or in Atlanta Georgia or the students with whom I work who may feel like oh I'm not smart enough to understand what those words that they're saying in yoga and it's not that I'm watering the practice down it's that I'm making it actually a lot fuller for the human human experience. Mm-hmm. And I still have those moments where, as you hear, I love the sutras, like I'm integrating the sutras, but you may be hearing, you know, Beyonce singing, and I may relate it to something that she's saying. And so, you know, it's been a huge shift for me, um, where I was primarily trained in an ashram, I was, you know, I learned like the traditional ways of yoga. I honor the roots of yoga and it's that both and, and I'm very committed to making this a tangible practice for all people to experience. And so I love that I've had this um, opportunity, this privilege to be on a, a platform so large and you know, it was a huge shift for Shane and I to move from the South to New York City. Mm. And then our life really changed <laughs> two years later. So we moved here in 2020 and now we are expecting our first baby. And I'm really excited about that because, yeah. as you know, um, and we just talked about, I've done a lot. <laughs> and a lot of that has pushed our plans of starting a family, you know, more and more to where I was just like, I hope that this works out. Yeah. I hope that we're making the right decision. I hope that the more that I delay that, you know, I can have exactly what it is that I wanted. And that was to pursue my dreams for Shane to pursue his, ours collectively together. And then for our son, we're having a little boy. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. To be born and say, wow, my parents, you know, to be an example for him. I want him to do whatever it is that that he would like in this world. And so, you know, I took that chance. We took that chance mm-hmm. together. And I'm grateful that we did. And now, you know, I'm about to give birth next month. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. I'm so, so happy for you both and for your baby. I kind of had a similar path. I I became I became a mom at age 40. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I had kind of done the things that I wanted to. Not that I mean, now I'm I'm 50 and I actually Mm -hmm. am really excited for kind of this next chapter. It is a really, yeah, you feel when you get pregnant older too, you just mm-hmm. feel so, ooh, so grateful. Yeah. <laughs> and you know yourself really well. And it has come in handy for us as parents because we are much better at self-regulating than mm-hmm. we either of us would have been in our 20s. Mm-hmm. I think some people are suited to just have their babies young and they're just, I like, you know, I'm so in awe of those people. I was not mm-hmm. one of those people. Um, mm-hmm. I had to kind of go out in the world and and make my way. So so I, I relate very much, and and I'm just just so happy for you. And I'm also so happy for you, you know, to hear that about Peloton. Like, I I definitely relate to this um, 
to, and I, I know so many people do, if you care about yoga, you, there is always like a, a little kernel of worry in the back of your mind. Like, mm-hmm. am, am I, I don't want to do it a disservice. Like, am mm-hmm. I living up to, you know, this incredible tradition? And my husband and I met Andrea Jane, who is a yoga, she's a, she's actually a religious studies okay. professor. She's not, she's not a yogi. I mean, but she studies yoga, which is actually kind of great because she's, she's mm-hmm. looking at it from like a more objective point of view. Yes. And she has studied a lot of the the history of yoga. And she always, my husband quotes her often as saying, there is no one yoga. There are only mm-hmm. yogas. Mm-hmm. And that is how it has been since, since it began. There's, right. o- there have always been many, many streams and it is constantly evolving. And I, I think that it, it's a beautiful thing for it to evolve. And I think things have to evolve. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's so awesome that you um, are like evolving it in your own way. And also it sounds like you're really coming into your own voice, right? Mm-hmm. By by teaching in this way and just being having that freedom to incorporate the music that you love and, and that your friends and community love. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it feels good, especially when I, I play music, like I mentioned, R&B or trap music, hip hop, like whatever that may be. And whatever the genre is that resonates where folks are from, I think for so long um, as an African-American I was, there was like this moment of like, what is my culture? What is, you know, my family is from the South. We did our DNA and found out that I'm like 30 or 40% Nigerian. And that's really cool to like know those origins and to also elevate, uplift and celebrate the culture that we created and co-created here in this country. And so like, I think that there's something to be said when I'm able to hear my accent or hear my lived experiences being told through poetry and music and be able to practice yoga and not feel any shame in that and to really feel celebrated and affirmed. And so that's a part of the reason why I integrate some of the genres that are quite unconventional that you probably wouldn't hear if you went to an ashram. You're just like, wow, I didn't think that I would hear this music. And then people are just like, I would have never practiced or I didn't know that this practice was for me until I stepped into your Wu Tang Clan yeah, yoga yeah. class. Wonderful. That yeah. was the goal. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, here's the thing. Like, this is what's beautiful about diversity instead of like scarcity. You know, it's like the if 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 someone comes to your class and and they and they're like, oh yeah, like I can relate to this. This feels really good. Mm-hmm. If they ever want to go to the ashram, they can still go to the ashram Absolutely. and they can still come back to your class. Like yep. it doesn't mean that one part is going to die because we're going to, you know, evolve another part. And right. I, I've always felt like it's really important to just keep the door open so, so wide and welcoming Mm -hmm. to people because you just don't know where people, what people are going through Mm -hmm. and what they've been through. And you want to offer them something that is going to meet them where they are. And also, like you said, like you get to celebrate who you are. So, so I don't know, I'm all about it. And I'm just so happy that you're out there. And I'm really, it's such an honor to talk to you, Chelsea. Like I said, I've followed you for years and and I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you made the time for us today. Well, so thank you, Andrea. Yeah. I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I just wish you all the very best on your, your new journey to parenthood. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks as always for listening. I will put links to all of Chelsea's various 
thoughts on the internet at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 278. And if you enjoy the episode, please share it. Please rate and review it. Please let me know what you think. I love hearing from you always. I realized the other day that I have been doing this podcast for seven years, seven plus years. And it is safe to say that the only reason I do it is to reach all of you. (laughs) So any emails that you send me, any comments, any shares, any likes, they just really mean the world to me and they keep me going. And I feel really, really fortunate to continue to be inspired by the people in this community, the people doing these practices. And I genuinely feel that they are more important now than they've ever been before. So if you're out there listening and you're out there doing this work, thank you. Thanks for being there. I, I feel your presence and I appreciate you. And until next week, enjoy your practice. Enjoy your practice.